Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks. Having finished their latest mission, the Heralds are back in Waterdeep. They have spent some time deciding on what to do about Thantorvrak, the blue dragon that insists the group perform a task for them once they were finished with their previous task. He has requested they meet at a burnt windmill 100 miles north of Waterdeep at sundown tomorrow. But it's up to the Heralds to decide what to do next. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. And today, I have a blood orange martini in the most unmartini glass ever. Because I, I don't have any martini glasses. Take a selfie of yourself with that, because that's gigantic. So this is normally one of my tea mugs. So I, I don't have any martini glasses. I just have this giant tea mug. And I was in a hurry. And so I have a blood orange martini with a tiny little bit of vodka in it. And it is refreshing and lovely. It's it's just a martini mix. It's nothing special. We just really felt like having a martini mix. So there you go. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening, once again, is Yingling Flight. Light beer, and not so bad, from America's oldest brewery. I'm I'm trying to decide if I really want to try that or not, but I you just- You know, it's I worth a shot. It's only, you get a sixer or whatever, and if you don't like it, it's just light beer. You know, you can always just give it away or, or not drink it. It's not that much of an investment. And, and honestly, like, I think the light beer market is a good, like, counter-programming move against the, uh, the ascendancy of the seltzers. Because <laughs> sometimes you don't- Seltzer does not replace the taste of beer. No. Well, now that you've brought up seltzer, Jonathan, what are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular. And today I am once again drinking a truly hard cider. This is a strawberry lemonade, and <laughs> these things are the shit. They're really, really good. And uh, <laughs> tonight's shot of Fireball, to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to all of you who wear masks. Yes. This Thank you. is proven to be an inhibitor for transmission of COVID-19. In addition to other viruses that that rely on water droplets to move around. Or basically at the very least shutting yourself off from getting other people sick. You are being selfless and we appreciate that. So this fireball shot is for you the mask-wearing uh, nobility of this land. Yeah, I mean, for some of us who haven't had one of their jobs since the beginning of 2020 because of COVID, hey, wear a mask so I can go play in an orchestra again, please. And with with that sad statement... Normalize wearing a mask! It'll normalize wearing other a mask. times, too! Flu season? Hey, if everyone wears masks, it won't be as bad! I'll bring it back around to something at least pleasant, semi-happy. Um, a whole bunch of D&D shows that I know have been sponsored by a geeky alehouse in Toronto named Stormcrow. And they have a whole bunch of merchandise. And they have masks that are like D&D inspired masks. They've got like, you know, plus one to your constitution and all kinds of stuff on them. So I've ordered some Stormcrow masks to be able to come so I can wear geeky masks. And there, having brought around to something moderately happy, Bernie, what are you drinking? I was just going to say, if Toronto wasn't sort of one of our hotspots still, I would uh, want to go visit Stormcrow, but maybe... When it's not a hotspot. When it's not a hotspot. I, and today I actually have tea. It's the afternoon. Peek, peek behind the curtain. It's the afternoon. And I just recently stabbed myself with a seam ripper. Uh, and so today I have tea because, you know, alcohol's a blood thinner. There you go. Hey, nothing wrong with tea. Uh, it's what kind really, of tea do you got? It's cold brew. It's a berry. It's I think it's from, I think we ordered it from Bridgehead because we get a lot of things delivered. So sometimes boxes of things come and I forget where they've come from. But this tea came in a box <laughs> to our door. If you are not going to wear a mask, then you should stay the fuck home. I'm staying the fuck home, and I still wear masks every time we go to stores. There's an ordinance in my city that says in order to enter a building that's not your house or someone else's private home, you have to put a mask on. So Stephen yep. and I do every time 
we want to go anywhere, which is not a lot of places. But yeah, so order things when you can and order locally when you can and get some nice cold brew berry berry tea. There you go. And and someone who I know has been wearing masks because they make some amazing ones. Carlton, what are you drinking? Yes, uh, I do. And they are fun and I like them. Caught me off guard. So That's what I week, do. I'm your DM. You, you do. Uh, so last week I said we were choosing a color uh, and orange barely beat out blue. And Lauren was like, oh, well, you have to do blue next week. So now I have the blue drink, which really looks like a mana potion. But blue it is drink Herbert's, is wonderful. It is. It's Herbert's Lemonade Blueberry Lemonade. So let's do a live taste. It matches your shirt. It does. And is it good? It is. It's very sour, which mm. I like, but it's not going to be a quick drink. It's going to be one I'm going to have to sip for a while. Or otherwise, I'm going to be like, oh, pucker-faced. Pucker-faced. No one likes a barbarian who's pucker-faced. Blue drink is pink. Peak 90s kid, right? Like, blue raspberry, blue lemonade. When blue. I was I, I was actually, yeah. I was going to say something to the contrary. Then I remembered that technically... Part of my college experience was in the 90s, and we did do Trash Can Punch with uh, Blue Kool-Aid and Everclear a couple of times. That's which, like that. yeah, Back was, in my day. It was super dumb. <laughs> I was in a sorority at a very, very, very high Greek population school, and I think, wowzers. Back in my day, you could buy a cylinder of happiness called a hug for only 25 cents. <laughs> Not drugs, just a drink. Just a drink. Back in my day, I was a really bad college kid and i didn't really do very much because we were too busy playing classical music and fridays and saturdays were usually gigs i'm sorry hold on you were in the band and so was my sister so i know that is some grade a bullshit okay but i'm talking about college and i went to a conservatory there's a little bit of a difference between being in a band in college and or a marching band even and being an orchestral musician in a conservatory. Let us all remember, I am a pasty white Jew who plays the oboe. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I did not join my college marching band, but I was told by someone who was in it that I would have fit in very well. I think you would have. Yeah. Well, I've heard your trombone playing now that you've come back to it. I'm, I'm veering away from your obvious joke and going more towards the, I think you would have been a fantastic trombone player. I think I am getting there. I look forward to the day that we play a duet together. Yes. I am excited about that. But for now, uh, there are no bards in the <laughs> in the establishment. There's no bards in the Heralds of Greenest. There's just the four of you and the knowledge that you have essentially 36 hours before Thontorvrak expects you to meet uh, him at a burnt windmill 100 miles north of Waterdeep. And so I'm going to preface this by saying, because I know we just got off of having some free time in Waterdeep. You do have essentially all day today and all day tomorrow. Some of this will be travel time. You do need to make it 100 miles north. But unless there's anything in specific you'd like to do, we can move time along and get you to riding out of Waterdeep or, you know, walking or however you would like to move. So it's kind of up to you how fast or how how slow we would like to take the next day or two of time. What would you like to do? Can Jonathan teleport us? Bernie's going to ask in character. Jonathan. Yo. Can you teleport us to where we're going or do you, is that an option? Jonathan the Magimuscular was considering this and it is indeed an option. However, I've never been to this place. Jonathan the Muscular hasn't actually even seen this place. So teleportation would be just a little bit more, more perilous than, say, if we were... If I was telling, or teleporting us back to the mine, that would, you know, that would be okay. If I was getting us to the doorstep of... Uh, Olivia Pasarak, no problem. Uh, Carlton's uh, Amphail residence, probably probably not a problem because I've been there before. I'm at this point kind of familiar with it. But a place that Jonathan the Muscular hasn't been could be dangerous, but it could be done. Okay. Um, in that case, I guess we better get a move on. A hundred miles is a lot to cover. You have basically enough, if you were to leave right now by mundane means, say walking, well, walking, you probably couldn't make it in time. If you were to get horses, uh, you could make it 100 miles in two days, especially on the roads, assuming that this is not 
way off the road. Is it way off the roads? Uh, you don't know. All you literally know is 100 miles north of Waterdeep, a burnt down windmill. So 100 miles is doable in two days, basically without stopping very much. Doesn't Gestock have our horses? He does. He does. I think they're his horses, I should say. <laughs> How far is Amphel from Waterdeep? Yeah, why don't you ask him the general, can we, like, can we shoot him back? Am- Amphel's a couple of days by road. So it's more than 100 miles. Amphel, yes. Amphel okay. was several days. Uh, gotcha. This so, would be... Oh, well, we could just ping up if it was halfway there, but... No, and this is... Amphel is going to be kind of northwest. Gotcha. And you were told go north. So, actually, if Carlton brings this up, Jonathan the Medjmuscular is going gonna, is gonna to wonder, would Amphel be closer? No, Amphel will be further away. You're, you're, you've been told go straight north. Amphel is is northwest with a little more of a west at first. Okay. Because uh, that road, the long road that you go on, it kind of starts off going west. And then it eventually m- makes its way north. But no, you'd be going in two different directions. Okay. So we need to figure out where this windmill is. I guess we could ask, Are there sur- is there a surveyor guild? Or would this be something I could go back to the... What if we just ask Thontor back? I don't wanna. Yeah, but like, I just, we just, like, the time is of the essence, and I don't wanna go, like, shopping for a guild and get uh, maps. What if we just say, hey, man, um, can you be a little more specific where we're meeting you? There's quite a few windmills in the world. Do you want me to do it? Do you want me to do it? I'll do it. You sure? Yeah, I feel, I feel like I can. I don't usually prepare that spell, so I'd have to ask. We'd have to get on the road, and then I'd have to ask him. But no, I've got it. I'll do it now. Jonathan the Magic Muscular, like in the saddest way possible, oh. puts his fist together, closes his eyes, sends his sending to Thontorvrak, and says, "Thontorvrak, we could use some specificity on the burnt-out windmill that you want to meet at." Does it go by a name? Is there a landmark by it? We need some directions. Okay. You do not hear a reply immediately. Okay. Jonathan, the magic muscular, opens his eyes and says, Well, I asked. I guess in the meantime, until he replies back, we can start getting ready. Yep. See about getting our horses or his horses for our use. Yeah, we're gonna rent. We're gonna rent our horses from Kostak. Gonna rent peanut butter. Um, Bojack, Jonathan was doing his Bojack sending. horse horse. I'll be penning a letter that I'll ask Kostak to mail for me. Basically, sending it to the Eagle Shields, just checking in, letting him know I'm okay, uh, and I'll give him a gold to kind of get that mailed off if he's willing. Oh yeah, sure, I can take care of that. No problem. Cool. I think giving him a gold, like that's like postage and service well yeah it's uh, i want to thank you those, like, those are like fedex prices you you just you just fedex something <laughs> remove one gold <laughs> yeah and i'll ask us talk about the horses and see if we can get use of them for this trip well they're technically i guess your horses so yeah i've got them all stabled i've been able to rent them out a little bit but you know middle of the winter not many people are are heading out and i've been trying to only rent them for people who need them nearby because i figured I mean, here you are. <laughs> You're all going to come back anyway, so there you go. Gestock, when was the last time that w- that we said, we really appreciate you being extremely generous and, and patient. Very, very, very patient with us. Thank you. I think it was the last time I brought you some fresh tater tots, but... You know what? I appreciate you saying that. Sometimes it's good to hear the thing that I know you're thinking. So thanks. You do make the best tater tots in all of Waterdeep. Bar none. Oh, well, and I appreciate that you tell other people that because that's really how how, how you've really been showing your appreciation because I've had a lot of people coming by who've heard you raving about my place. So, And frankly, I'd rather have them eat in here than sleep in here because I only got the couple rooms and then you got to clean them afterwards and that's a whole thing. You know, I'd rather just Life. serve good food. All right, do you grab the horses? Let's Yep. Okay, uh, remind Some everybody. Provisions. Yeah, remind everybody about your horses. What are their names and what do they look like? Who wants to go first? I'll go. You, Lord. Oh, no, I love you. I'll let Bernie go first. Bernie's going to be good. John should go first. John needs to live with his fucking mistakes. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, let's see if I can remember. I think Mr. Peanut Butter was mine. No, Peanut Butter was mine. I named Peanut Butter to go with my dog, Coco Snoop, and no one got it. I think yours was Oh, I'm Horse and a Horse Face. Horse and a Horse Face. Yes, that's right. And I think, did I go with a Clydesdale with him? That would make sense for the size of the horse that you would need for Carlton. Now, our listeners at home are probably going to be like, well, actually, and if that is, feel free to tweet me that I don't pay attention to our own show. It's been a little I mean, while. How long has it been since we've dealt with the horses besides just it's saying It's been hi. a long time in real life, and a lot has happened. Uh, Travancore, tell us a little bit about your horse. Okay, my horse's name is Kutra, which may or may not be the Malayalam word for horse, depending on how good my pronunciation is. So, I never really decided on a breed, so I guess in canon we're going to decide that this is an Arabian horse with uh, all like jet black um, skin. Something regal looking. Something fancy-ass horse. Station. Well, yeah, I mean, fancy-ass heir to a kingdom, right? <laughs> you got them in Amphail, where there's basically every kind of horse imaginable, so... Why wouldn't I get, like, the, uh... The black the, beauty of horses? Yeah, there's a reference. Oh, that horse is gorgeous. Right? Very nice. All right, Bernie? Bernie's horse is named Peanut Butter. And what what was Bernie it in relation to? Bernie had a dog to? named Coco Snoot, and Bernie wanted her animals to make, come together and make a Reese's peanut butter cup, and not a single person got it, and I was so sad for so long, and I was like, peanut butter, my horse, peanut butter, and I'd shout it, and I'd shout it, and then I was like, no one fucking gets why I named my horse peanut butter. I don't know if we ever described my horse. I think we decided my horse was, like, a pony. Like, you know those Icelandic... Is it a Shetland pony? The ones that are, like, you find in Iceland? Which I guess wouldn't be called a Shetland pony. What I, uh, uh, A miniature horse like Little Sebastian. Well, not quite <laughs> Little Sebastian. Little Sebastian probably couldn't keep up with y'all's horses. But there are these really cute ponies in Iceland that are very furry. They have, like, longer hair. And I imagine that that's what peanut butter looks like. Because... You know, big enough for me, big enough for Coco Snoot to, like, ride on the back of Coco Snoot Sochos. And Jonathan? So Jonathan the Magimuscular's horse is actually a, uh, I don't know if it is actually this breed, but it it resembles it. It is an Azteca, which uh, in our world is a breed from Mexico. And I was thinking of going with the Andalusian, but... I think I'm not going to go with the uh, colonizer horse. I'm going to go with the uh, slightly more indigenous horse. Oh, those are pretty. I appreciate oh, wow. that. <laughs> I got a picture of the uh, the Iceland pony as well. Look at that. They're so <laughs> Oh, look at that boy. Oh, look at that lad. He's, he's right? a chunky boy. That's they're chunky. <laughs> they're perfect. You would totally find one in Waterdeep because they're like... In Iceland, where it's like winter, and they have these long manes, and yep. you can pet them. You guys, what if we went to Iceland? Iceland is beautiful, and I would love to go with you all. Yeah, I would 100% go to Iceland with all of you as soon as it's safe to do so. At this very yeah. moment, as you are thinking about a country that is completely made up and is uh, part of some of the stories that you've read as a child, Jonathan, you hear the voice of Thantavrak in your head, who says... Ugh... I'm surprised you've never heard of Larlet. Larlet. And it's spelled L-A-R-L-I-T-T, and you can roll a history check for me, as that is all Thunter Vrak will say. Oh, Damn I gotta him. bring my roll 20 up. Yeah, alright. History. Yeah, yeah, it's 15. The name does not, doesn't ring a bell. Does he tell any of us? Yeah, I, I, Jonathan the Magimuscular is like, Thontorvrak said he was surprised I hadn't heard of Larlet, which... Larlet? Larlet, and Jonathan the Matchmuscular spells it, and it's like, no clue. Can we all see if we've heard of it? Can we all do a I was going to say, check? may I try growing up in Amphail, even though it was to the east or west, I guess? Or no, east. Amphail is to the west. I'll let Carlton try, because yes, he's also local. The other two of you are not local, uh, Jonathan isn't really local, but because of his travels and because of his study in Neverwinter, I let him give it a try. Uh, so history, you said? History, please. The old school way of in D&D Beyond. Exactly. I don't think a 12 will do it for you. Nah, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Well, I guess we're asking. There's, there's a lot of windmills around here. Hey, Gestalk. Yeah? <laughs> Have you heard of a windmill or farm or something called Larlet. Larlet. Ah, uh, let's see. 
I, okay, I don't know of a windmill, but you haven't heard of Larlet? No. That's a town up north, about two days' ride from here or so. It's, uh, it got destroyed a while ago. No one really knows how. Might have a notion on that now. Yeah, it was like, uh, two dozen years ago or so. I mean, long enough that I could see why you wouldn't know. But yeah, a little mining town about two days up got just almost wiped off the map. Like someone just dropped the firestorm on top of it or something. Whole thing like just got burnt. Big old like storm of lightning or something like that. Yeah, it's there like explosion. Uh, explosions, but I heard fire. I didn't hear lightning. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard a lot of the, the whole town like burnt to the ground. Something went something went wrong. But yeah, if you just follow the road, if you just go uh, go north, you'll just off the, the main road as you're going north. You, you can't miss it. Okay. Well, good to know. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Is that what you're going? Apparently. All right. Well, be careful. It's a big burnt out ghost town. Hmm. Jonathan the Magic Muscular now wishes he had used luck on that roll, but uh, that's okay. It'll, it'll, make things, it'll make things more fun. More fun. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> more fun, right, guys? Yeah, more. fun. Ah. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, Travis, of course, is going to slowly raise his thumbs like so, and then smile <laughs> uncomfortably. <laughs> so smile uncomfortably. <laughs> I wonder if there's... Dalton of Rack wants to meet there for a reason, but I don't think we'll fi- figure that out until we actually meet with him. All right, well... I'll, I will say this, Jonathan... Now that you have at least a little more information, even though you still do not, you don't rem- remember or recognize this town now that Gestock has given you a little bit more than just straight north and has given you, oh, this is the name of the town. Uh, it's just off the, it, it would be, you would take the high road and it was just off the high road and that this thing happened. Um, you do think you could go back to, say, the Watchful Order and look at some maps nearby, or there isn't really a cartographer's guild like Bernie was asking about, but there are maps in this area. And within about 100 miles, you think you might be able to find, you know, especially a town like that that has a, a history. You could okay. probably find some basic information. Guys, if you're okay here getting stuff ready, Jonathan the Match Muscular is actually going to go back to the Watchful Order. Just to make sure there's nothing else we need to know. Uh, I'm just going to be real quick, and then I'll catch you guys on the way. Uh, When I get back, we'll we'll take off. It is dangerous to go alone. Take this. And Travancore just steps forward. (laughs) I'll come with you. Okay, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'll stay back and kind of prep the horses, let them get kind of re-familiar with who we are. You know, feed them, groom them, saddle them up. Yeah, Bernie's going to... Let them get used to our scent again. Bernie's going to make sure that we've got, like, food for an overnight journey. and Yeah. You've got pretty well rations, unless uh, pretty good rations, unless you wanted to get something different. And Bernie, you know you got to create food and water. So if We're things fine. got bad, you could... Yeah, we got popcorn. Garlic, Parmesan, popcorn. <laughs> exactly. You have way more popcorn than you know what to do with, in, you know, until you know what to do with it. Three Azimar and a Tiefling are sent to a strange new world on a divine mission. Trouble is, when they arrive, none of them can remember what the mission is, and only one of them has any interest in the god that sent them. Join Briathos, Bizdira, Kit, Flick, and DM Jazzy Hands as they play matchmaker with kobolds, assassinate Yuan-Ti political figures, and completely, if accidentally, disrupt the delicate equilibrium of the world they found themselves in. Reviewers call it a patchwork of beautiful storytelling, immersive roleplay, and a healthy sprinkling of humorous banter. The Last Refuge is a weekly D&D actual play podcast set in a completely original world. Check us out at dndlastrefuge.com. Happy gaming, y'all. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. 
This week's code expires on August 16th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. O-H-M-S-L-Y-E-S-P-O-L-K. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. The other two walk back to the Watchful Order. And once again, doesn't take too long. Razo is there. Oh, hi, welcome back. Travancore, it's good to see you. Did you did you congratulate Jonathan? This is level two. Level two? Congratulations, bud. Oh, yeah. I, I plum forgot there's a... Uh... There's a lot going on. Listen, listen, Razo, I need to get to uh, the library to look at some maps and, and look up some information. Uh, is it okay if Travancore accompanies me, or will he still have to wait out here? Well, usually we'd have to wait out here, but uh, uh, unless you had, like, one of the, you know, one of the main people come on down and escort you all up. Like, if you, Aras or Balana or any of them, or, or any of, are you going to go see any of them? Well, I did actually need to talk to Balana Zadok. So yeah, if Balana's available, uh, we we could probably... Actually, Travancore would be really good to talk to Balana about what I needed to talk to her about anyway. Okay, well, uh, if you want to let her know and she can come on down and get Travancore, because you basically need one of the the main people in charge in order to be able to have a, a guest in. You know, the same way Aras has helped you all up uh, when you went to the uh, the teleportation circles. Sure thing. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to... Send, send off a sending to Balana Zedok and say, hey, it's Jonathan the Match Muscular. I'm downstairs. Myself and my colleague uh, Travancore need to speak to you. All right. You do hear a response back from her uh, very quickly that says, please wait one moment. And very quickly, Balana is there. She sees the both of you, gives a very cursory wave to Razo, and then ushers you on back. And as she's taking you to one of the teleportation circles to bring you into the actual Amethyst Acropolis, she says, I was told that you were going to be talking with me. What did you want to talk about? And what did you want to ask? Did you find out more, any more information about the, the instruments that you were looking for? That's actually kind of why we're here. We haven't found anything else, but that may change very quickly. Our dragon acquaintance, Thontorvrak, has made contact, and we are to meet him in two days at the town of Larlet, or at least what's left of it. We were actually getting ready to leave right now, but we wanted to do some very quick First of all, you know, make sure that we knew where stuff was, but also make sure that there wasn't anything about Larlet that we needed to know before we went out there. And also, I mean, this is going to be my last time to talk to you personally until, you know, before we head out. So at this point, you've gone through the teleportation circle up into the main tower, and she's brought you into an antechamber to talk a little bit, kind of on the way. Mm-hmm. It stops as as you've rattled off all of this information and says, you are back in contact with this you said it was a blue dragon? Chromatic blue. Hmm. Well, Larlet was an unfortunate accident as far as I know. There was uh, some buildup of gases in the mining town that was set off in an uh, from what we were able to gather, this this was a while ago, I'm just pulling from memories, but there was a very dangerous explosion, but a mundane thing. It was just a horrible accident, as far as I know. Destroyed most of the town. So, as far as I know, there is nothing there of interest or import. It just apparently is a place to meet that's outside of the city far enough that... A dragon would not have to worry about our defenses. So there is that. Uh, unless there is something that I don't know about. I just know the basic story from what happened about a dozen years ago. Okay. Do you That's... know what it is that he is trying to ask you to do? We think he wants us to find or investigate a lead on another instrument of the bards. We managed to, as you know, uh, talk him out of the, the one you now have, but the condition of that was that we'd have to do something else. So we think this is the something else. We don't know what. He hasn't let us know. 
but I figured I should let you know before we went out there. I appreciate that. The last couple of times that you've gone out, well, eventually it has been a success. It's been not with much... There's been a lot of consternation about what has happened, and certainly the continued existence of this dragon, if it holds any sway over any of you, is troubling to be sure. That's actually something that we were going to discuss with it. We were going to make this... We were going to see what what Thontorvrak wants, and then we were going to end our relationship with him, or at least try to. Her eyebrows go up a little bit at this, and she says... So you are not even considering the job that he has for you? You are just going to attack? No, we're going to consider it. We figure that if, and Travancore, back me up on this. We figure that if if we can make him happy by doing something that is relatively benign, not killing anyone, not wrecking anything, then we can do that. He can get his instrument go our separate ways, no more contact. If he wants us to do something unseemly, we're not going to do it. We're going to say no. And then what happens after that, we'll see. And you believe if you say no that there is a chance he will attack. And you believe this is an assault you can survive. Travancore? We're in a better position to survive it than we were years ago, or months ago, I should say. Uh, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we have to know. Like, I think, at the very least, the knowledge of what this being's agenda is, is worthwhile to uh, to the Watchful Order, to, uh, to the good people of Faerun, for lack of a better term. I cannot give you any orders, as it were, sir. As it is, I only have a, a very tenuous... Ability to order Jonathan around. I would ask the both of you do your best to parlay with this creature. Find out what its motives are. Find out what it wants you to do. I think it is a smart idea to find out information and not immediately anger it, especially if it is asking you to do something that you would be okay with doing. If it really is asking you to get an instrument, I would like you to at least let me know and see how much you can find out about its, not just its motives, but its lair, where it plans on bringing this instrument, what it plans on doing with it. As you know, we are trying to collect as many of these instruments as possible. We have almost all of them, in fact. So any that he has a line on would be one of the two that we are still missing. And even if he ends up with the instrument, it's still a better endpoint than wherever it was. Like you said, if we at least knew where his lair was, that is known for, that is knowledge for you to take advantage of later on. If you can find out where his lair is. It is very possible if he knows where one of the instruments is, he might already have the other that we are still missing. And I would be able to marshal a lot of force in order to go record get back two instruments of the bards, especially with us being so close to having them all. Travancore, how well-traveled are blue dragons? Are they particularly territorial? Do they stay in one area? Are they? Do they suffer from any wanderlust? What's the relevant check? With your favorite enemy being dragons, that is not a check. You just know. Cool. Um, so... What you know is that all dragons are territorial to an extent, but because they all have different wants and desires, they're especially older ones who are feeling very secure in the comfort of and security of their lair are willing to go ranging for what they want. And the more intelligent ones, which include blue dragons, who have more esoteric tastes, as Thondravrak apparently does, are willing to go very far away in order to find what they need. In fact, blue dragons themselves are normal desert dwelling creatures they're warm climate creatures they're not cold creatures they would not normally be found in greenest or water deep or anywhere around here so the fact that Thontervrak has come out this far is already a, a an oddity but if his age is as old as you think 
they're willing to do that in order to get what they want. And he's smart enough to be able to deal with the consequences. Okay. So I say all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's disconcerting. Uh, dragons usually are. He could be from fucking anywhere. My guess is that he's probably got a lair that is very well hidden somewhere very far away and might have a secondary place to hole up. The important thing would be finding out where this instrument is. Or, if possible, if he's sending you to get one of these instruments, uh, to at least figure out what he wants with it. And these creatures are very intelligent, but not necessarily destructive in a way that needs combating. So... It is very possible he's just a collector, and frankly, if these instruments are in his possession and all he plans on doing is enjoying their company and their music, then I am less concerned. In fact, if he can continue to find out where the final one is, that would be amazing, but you should probably find out for sure, and I, I would hesitate to encourage you to get into any kind of fracas with any creature of that power and magnitude. <laughs> and driving Corvold do that. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, um, driving Corvold wants to remember if he was told. About, I mean, I have some basic background with the instruments. I'm not sure what they are and what their power is and what the interest of the Watch Forward in having them is. Like, what is the destructive potential of the instruments? I'm, I'm sure we had this conversation months ago. Uh, A little John bit. Yeah. yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular probably would remind Travancore that they are powerful magic items. They can do a lot of different things, especially in the hands of a bard. But they're not like doomsday machines. On their own, they're sort of like Isilgal, like very handy and an excellent weapon, especially in the hands of a ranger like yourself. But no one's going to go end the world with Isilgal, right? I wasn't planning to. No, no, but I, like in, in the comparison to the... Uh, to the instruments of the bard, like Belana, no one's gonna, no one's gonna end the world with like a fucking flute, are they? <laughs> That's ludicrous. <laughs> Not with a single right. one of these instruments, no. I mean, the most powerful of them that I know of is the Olam Harp, and it itself can cast some very powerful magics. Um, certainly not world-ending, although in the wrong hands could be a powerful weapon in and of itself. Uh, together, they would. And this is the reason why we have wanted them. We have been trying to put together this orchestra. We've wanted to employ our own bards. This has been a personal pet project of mine, actually, for quite a while to be able to commission new music and use these instruments. Uh, many of them were lost years ago when many of the bard colleges were destroyed. Travancore, go ahead and make a history check. Okay, Doki. Ah. 18. 18. Hold on. Just a second. feel like I am on the rain-slick precipice of something. I'm just pulling up a very, very old piece of information. Balana says all of this, and it jogs something in your memory from many, many, many months ago of a book that you found that you specifically found in the same location with Wendragod. You've been so caught up in Wendragod and his tower and the uh, what possibly could be there that up until this moment, you forgot about the other things that you found with Wendragod. And there was this book, The Instrumental Symphony by Folletier. Huh. And you remember that Folletier was the bard. He's cr He's... The one that is reportedly the person, the epic bard, who created these instruments in the first place. Each of them named after a bardic college as an inspiration piece and a basically a final test for each of those bards. You used to have to go to each of these colleges and study the specific instrument and then take your final exam, as it were, on this legendary version of that instrument. That's why every one of the instruments are slightly different. Uh, but when those bard colleges were destroyed or lost, uh, most of them, most of the instruments have been lost to time. And you remember picking up this book and you always meant to ask Soria about it because she was a bard. And then like blue dragons and fire and brimstone happened. So, but something about all this jogs your memory. All right. Well, 
I'm trying to think of this is too convenient, but Travancore has his own personal stash of things aside from the, the big um, bag, endless bag. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that I have it on me and pull it out. I'm trying to remember if it's with you or in the... Or in the so bag of holding? Where it used to be was you had left a whole bunch of stuff in Greenest a while ago. And then uh. when, when you and Shadow and Jonathan months ago took that trip back to Greenest and you talked to a bunch of people, it was basically like a little vacation. And one of the last things you did was pick up all of the stuff you'd left behind, which included like you went to go see Reggie and things like that. Right. Would you have put all of that stuff in your bag? I don't know about all of it. I definitely think something of that important. So Travancore has a trained eye for MacGuffins, so I feel as if <laughs> MacGuffins that <laughs> make a MacGuffin roll. <laughs> All right, you know what? Fuck it. Make you a have a trained eye for MacGuffins. You have it. You reach into Yay! your bag, and you're and you have that moment where so you're talking about what's I mean, going on. I mean, I have on. that light lantern. Why wouldn't I have this book? Yep, and like not even taking your eyes off of Bolana, you just reach into your your giant bag and you pull out this little leather book, and you're like, ah. A MacGuffin. <laughs> I'll let you say what you're saying, but just because you pulled out MacGuffin, I'm going to let you have it. Yeah. So I pull out the book and I produce it. I'd be like, I, I found this. Do you hand it over? Yeah. She takes it and opens it and starts to flip through it. And you can now see it's got some handwriting in it, like it's got a forward and stuff. But as she flips, it's not handwriting. It's music. Page after page after page, uh, seven different movements of a piece of music. And her eyes light up. And she, with unabashed glee, says, we've been looking for this for forever. Where did you find this? Old friend of ours named Wendergod, who's not really a friend so much as someone who tried to kill us and failed. This is amazing. This, everything that we've wanted is, is right here. This is, this is incredible. Thank you. Oh. And... She closes the book and says, may I, may I have this? Sure. This is, this is years worth of research that we no longer have to, we no longer have to do. It's just right here. We thought this was lost forever. You have to go and talk to this dragon. You must find out if he has a knowledge of the final instrument or where the last two are. And she stashes the book in one of her own uh satchels she's got a satchel on her side every wizard has like book holsters of some oh, yeah. sort well and she's actually got a satchel on uh right. so this is like a mundane satchel but you jonathan you get the sense from her robes that yeah she's probably got uh, uh, the actual spell book hidden away somewhere and she looks at both of you with this excitement and says so there are seven of these instruments we have five of them one of which you would recover the two that were still missing are the olam harp and the mac firmeth citern uh, the olam harp is the, the very powerful one the one that we have been searching the longest for it is the oldest of all the instruments and certainly it would be the most powerful of everything and if he is sending you to get that one that it is imperative that you go that you accept this job uh, but either of the instruments would be amazing. And then please go ahead and do whatever he asks so that we at least know where this instrument is. We can do planning from there, but do not put yourselves at risk. Do not put these instruments at risk. This seems like fate. And I am I am excited for the prospects. Okay. Jonathan the Magimuscular feels a little better about this meeting. What? I, I, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to be quite honest. I See, aren't you glad I came? Yeah. No, this is the best of all possible worlds, definitely. Was there anything else that you needed to know before you left? N no, I think we've got everything we need. Yeah, we'll just share. Uh, quite frankly, members of our party will be very happy that we're not going to, you know, just kill this guy on sight. If something can be learned, then we will try and learn it. No, definitely. I, I agree. Uh, whoever has given you this advice, do not just kill, especially... It is always good to be wary around these kind of powerful creatures, and I do understand your caution, but death should only be when there are no other options. And for a creature such as this, that is this powerful, that is this intelligent, you always want to try to talk to them or not engage with them in any way, shape or form. Right. Okay. Well, Balana, thank you. We're going to go because we're, we're on the clock. Yep. Definitely. Do you have any other need of directions for where you're going? 
Oh, yeah. How do we get to Larlet? Uh, take the road. <laughs> <laughs> you just take the north road. <laughs> uh, if you okay. take the, the high road going north, gotcha, it should right. be. It'll be on the, uh, I believe it's on the west side of town. There will be, uh, it's just off the road. You cannot miss it. it While well, the destruction happened about a dozen years ago, it was it was a rather substantial mining town before it was completely destroyed. So I cannot imagine that even after all these years that it will be, it'll be missable. Right. It's it's like the it's like the the New Braunfels of the Northern Road. If you're going between San Antonio and Austin, you're you're gonna find New Braunfels. Jack understands that. Travis Corps is gonna nod like he understands that. <laughs> I was gonna say local geography humor. Audience. <laughs> well, Jack has actually been to New Braunfels. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, Schlitterbahn. Yep. And thank you so much for this. You have no idea how much. This has saved me, and she will escort you back out, and I will ask, uh, unless there's anything else you want to do here, I'll switch over to the other two for a moment. War assets. MacGuffin. Dump, bump, 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 bump. I've been, sorry, I've been play, replaying Mass Effect 3. Uh, sorry. Uh, Balana Zadok will remember this. Balana Zadok, she looked, you've never seen her happy, and she looked ecstatic. Like, She's a pretty severe woman. You've you've had very uncomfortable conversations with yes! her. Yes. And <laughs> the unabashed glee on her face was obvious. So as the two of you head back out, Bernie and Carlton, was there anything you wanted to be doing during this time? You've probably got like an hour, I'd say, while they're gone. You were preparing the horses. Was there anything else you wanted to do? No, I think we, I, Bernie wants to get on the road. Unless I was something I wanted to do last episode that I've completely forgotten about. I can't remember remember anything in specific, but if it comes up, we can we'll work with it and we'll make it happen anyway. So yeah, I'll say the two of them return, and unless there's anything else you wanted to do, you can saddle up and head on out pretty much immediately. It's the beginning of the day, so you'd have a full day of travel ahead of you. Yeah. How long do you think it takes us while they're doing the Amethyst Cropolis? You said we had an hour. Is that including taking care of the horses, or is that after taking care of the horses? It, I'd say it include like it inc- that hour is including taking care of the horses, but you're not going to need very long to take care right. of them. So if there's something else uh, you want to do. During that rest of the time, I'm going to try to convince Bernie to teach me some uh, more tips and tricks at Beskar so that I could actually win a game. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bernie says, you know what? I think the first thing we should do is you have to be good enough to win without cheating. Okay. So I think what we'll do while we're on the road is we'll just start to play a no-cheating game. You have to be good enough to win without it, and you have to be good enough to know when someone else is cheating. And you Are know, you good enough to win without cheating? That's the point. Why would I tell you you have to be good enough to win without cheating if I wasn't already good enough to win without cheating? Cheating is one of those things that you do for fun. But also to make sure that you win in crucial situations. It's like... Adding an extra set of rules in for yourself to see if you can get away with it. Cheating is the gift man gives himself. See Montgomery Burns. So it's pushing the limits to see how far you can go. Yeah, it's like playing an extra game on top of the game. But if all you're doing is cheating to win, it's really not that fun because you didn't really know you're going to win. Playing to win is pretty fun. Playing to win is a set of skills that you should definitely have before you decide you're going to cheat to win. Also, you should really play to win before you cheat to win because you really don't want to deal with the physical consequences of getting caught cheating by the wrong person. I think that's the part I'm good at, though. The physical consequences? Yeah, that's like that's like my wheelhouse. That's like what I'm good at. Yeah, but you also don't want to be barred from someone's table. Yeah, sure. But I am good at the physical. So, uh, what Bernie's gonna do is Bernie's gonna, like, we've played, Bernie's gonna sit down and, like, go through all the cards and, oh, that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna spend this time, like, naming different cards, like, because I feel like they would be similar, but, like, kind of, like, the evolution of cards over time is, like, there's things that used to be cups and now they're this and now they're that. But she's gonna, like, she's just gonna sit there and teach him all the, like, all the names of the cards as they exist and talk about all the different slang names and all the different pairings and they're just gonna have and she's gonna say the best way to play is to know the game that you're playing but also know that everybody else at the table is playing a different game and you want to be playing the same game as your partner which you're not always doing 
So you need a good partner for this. And so Bernie's just going to... You can see the gears turning in Carlton's head slowly like, okay, but then I do this, not playing this game, but they're playing that game. Okay, and then what? And then Bernie's going to stop and make a face and go, let's start with the cards themselves. And they're going to sit there and she's going (laughs) to... Because, like, I feel like there's also, like, over time, you have, like, pretty much a deck of 52 cards is actually sort of become one of those beautiful, ubiquitous pieces of culture that exists yep. around the world. If you Like, if you think about it, the idea that we have a deck of playing cards in the United States that you can take to China and someone will know how to play cards there and you can take it to somewhere in, like, Kenya and they'll know different card games, but they'll know how to play with it. Yep. And they'll be... So she's going to... She's going to kind of give him that. She's going to be talking about, like, how the cards evolved and why we call them this. And, like, if you hear this, you should be thinking, like, if a person calls, if, you know, if the person calls, like, a queen, like, we'll say, like, instead of diamonds, there's, like, stars. And she'll be like, if it's a lady of stars, like, you know they're from this area. And, like, there's, like, things you should know. This is like, you need to know the people you're playing against. This is how you know the people you're playing against, Carlton. You have to know where so they're wait, from. So if the diamonds are stars, is the heart moons? The heart should be butts. Uh, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> if it's upside down. Little, yeah. The heart should be little peaches. You'll workshop that. I'll say this This explanation can easily happen in this talk while you're taking care of the horses. So when Travancore and Jonathan arrive, you are all set to go if you would like to go immediately. Let's, uh, Let's hit head the road. out. All yep. right. You mount up. Hit the bricks. Pound the dirt. For the first time in a while, you mount up on your horses and you head out of the north gate of Waterdeep on a briskly cold but pretty nice day. I will say that you will get a full day's travel in without much of a problem. And as you are getting ready to bed down for the evening, we will pause there. The next time we get together, you'll have your long rest. It'll be the next day, and assuming nothing else happens, it'll be time to talk to Thontorvrak about what he wants. But let me give you some experience. For MacGuffin. (laughs) (laughs) For remembering the things that you've got from all the way back, as, as though maybe I've been playing a long game or something. For a fun talk with Gestak and and saying the thing that we all need to say more to each other, which is, hey man, you're awesome. Thank you. Lauren appreciated that. And just in general for uh, for the chat and everything, I'm going to give you a total of 7,000 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, we'll be north of Waterdeep. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.